You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And you're back in the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. Each week we come to you and bring you the best in medical chat radio, straight from the mouths of doctors who practice in this country every day and who discuss the health care topics that are important to you. The show lets you in on the inside dealings of what doctors are talking about and arms you with the information that you need to be able to advocate for yourself and to fight for your health care freedom. The show is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is a... uh, it's a non-for-profit uh, organization. It's the only physician-led healthcare think tank in the country run by practicing physicians. Docs for Patient Care Foundation is fighting for your your healthcare rights. Um, we're uh, um, uh, standing up for the doctor-patient relationship and for healthcare freedom all across America. So please go to our website www docs for the number four patient care foundation.org and contribute generously so that we can continue to do the things that we do every day and continue to bring you this excellent show which i'm happy to report has gotten great reviews in uh uh dallas when we've been talking to uh doctors that we were able to engage with this past weekend at our uh, meeting. And I'm going to get into that, and that's going to be uh, the subject of today's show, a recap of our successful direct primary care meeting in uh, Dallas. Um, it's very interesting. This is a uh, time where uh, health care uh, issues should be prominently discussed by our presidential candidates, and sadly it's not. We just got through with the uh, final debate last night, and it was uh, a uh, pretty uh, rock'em, sock'em, robot kind of uh, event, but uh, only uh, a brief mention of Obamacare and, and uh, uh, the health care mess that we have. Um, you know, it's... It's really easy to come in here and discuss one of the uh, topics that predominate in the news about health care. Um, this past week, the um, final macro rulings came out. We talk about that on the show quite often. Um, and uh, the ruling has not been as draconian as we uh, thought that it might be. There are uh, many exemptions that were built in. But it is uh, still um, quite uh, burdensome on physicians who will have to pay more money to comply in order to get paid what they are entitled to get paid. And uh, I know that my co-host, Mike Karuchik, will probably weigh in on this in uh, an upcoming show. This is uh, right in his wheelhouse. Or we can try to talk about – I could have talked today about the fact that uh, – um, the uh, Obama administration is trying the backdoor route to get insurance companies more money to settle the lawsuit that they have filed against the federal government to reclaim the uh, uh, money that uh, they think that they're entitled to as part of the initial Affordable Care Act 
to make them whole for the losses that they've sustained on the uh, Obamacare exchanges. So the let, let me just give you what that means in a nutshell. The Obama administration wants to use taxpayer money to settle a lawsuit to give more money to the insurance companies. Um, we could talk about Bill Clinton's comments um, in the past uh, week that Obamacare is the craziest thing in the world, that uh, people are paying more and they're getting less. And that was that was startling that that wasn't uh, emphasized more in the uh, presidential debates. Um, two days ago, we, the um, uh, premium increases for the Affordable Care Act were were reported, and it is just unbelievable how much more the uh, premiums for insurance are going up. Um, they, in uh, in five states, um, they're going up thirty percent or more. In seven states, they're going up fifty percent. In um, in uh, a few states, the rates have gone up between ninety and a hundred percent. And uh, here in Georgia, where I live, and in another uh, eight states, in addition to Georgia, the rates have been allowed to go up um, uh, between uh, twenty and thirty percent. So this is a giant mess. Um, and uh, and what's the response to that? Well, the response to that is another thing that we could be discussing today, which is Hillary Clinton's op-ed in the New England Journal of Medicine. Um, where she outlined her vision for health care reform, which is um, uh, really um, a disguise of a single-payer health care system. And we talked about that a number of times. Um, the, the last thing that I, I have on my list of things that we could be discussing today is the story that came out um, last week and today about the abuses at the VA medical system. Um, the fact that uh, things have not gotten better at the Phoenix VA. In fact, they've gotten worse. And the fact that in Colorado, at the Colorado VA in Denver, they kept two lists of uh, patients, waiting lists, one for public consumption and one for their internal consumption. And, uh, and this... Uh, um, came to light in in uh, response to a veteran in Colorado who uh, committed suicide this past week uh, waiting for uh, mental health care. So so these are all the things that we could be talking about today. There's no shortage. I probably can um, fill uh, the morning uh, programming with uh, all of these topics and still not cover everything adequately. But instead, what I want to do is I want to give everybody some hope because I certainly have some. After the meeting that we just had in Dallas that you've heard us discuss on this show uh, week after week, um, this past weekend in Dallas, um, the Docs for Patient Care Foundation hosted a direct primary care meeting, and I'm going to go over the highlights of that meeting today. Before I do... Um, I want to take this opportunity to publicly recognize um, a few uh, organizations and individuals. Um, the meeting could not have taken place without a generous grant from the Physicians Foundation. 
They deserve a lot of credit for this uh, uh, meeting. We pitched this idea to them. We felt that we could put on a top-notch meeting if they would help us financially and get behind it. And they agreed to it, and their stipulation was that if they were going to put money up, that the doctors who attend would be able to do so for free. Well, gosh, that that went over, you know, I mean, that couldn't have gone over better with the doctors who uh, did not have to pay any tuition to attend this meeting. And um, as a point of reference, the American Academy of Family Practice put on a similar meeting, and I believe they charged between five and $600 to attend that meeting. The second shout-out goes to the Texas Medical Association, which was a partner with us in putting this meeting together. They took care of all the logistics for this meeting that was held in the uh, Dallas area in Las Colinas, and the um, Texas Medical Association was very generous with the time of uh, their uh, vice president for uh, meetings, Lisa Jackson, who I'm personally shouting out because she was just wonderful and we could not have done this without her. Uh, the Texas Medical Association allowed us to be able to offer continuing medical education credits to the attendees. They got over between 11 and 12 CME credits for attending this meeting, which Again, when you're talking about a free meeting and CME credits on top of it, it really puts to shame what our professional organizations are doing, which is putting on these kinds of meetings and charging hundreds of dollars for doctors to be able to get the credits that they need to fulfill the requirements of their state medical boards. So... um, Kudos to the Texas Medical Association and our uh, sincerest and uh, heartfelt thanks. And then I'd like to also thank all of the people who are um, uh, really uh, responsible for the success of this meeting. That would be the people who are the support staff from the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. Uh, That would uh, be Felicia Horton and uh, Bob Jacobus. It would also be the speakers who, for the most part, donated their time and their dollars. They did not want any stipends for this meeting. They came to the meeting um, on their own nickel, and they wanted to participate in this. And why did they want to do it? Because direct primary care is really, it's, it's a passion. This is something that people who are involved in it, believe in it. And this is the answer, this is the solution, I believe, for many of the problems, not all, but many of the problems that we face in healthcare with quality of care, with cost of care. And this is the model, I believe, that if it is embraced, it will um, it will create the kind of healthcare that people used to be able to get, the kind of healthcare that you see on old television shows where you have family doctors who take care of you and who care about you, who know about your kids and who know when you're coming in if you're just not yourself, if something's wrong, instead of the seven-minute visit or less with somebody who doesn't even put their hands on you. My mom, 
God bless her, is having some medical problems right now and went to the physician in in New York who we couldn't even get her into the physician that we wanted. And I, you know, as a, as a doctor in Atlanta, felt completely inept. I'm, I'm, I'm just unable to help her because I don't have the resources in New York. And so we finally got her in to see um, a GI doctor who uh, was uh, supposed to hopefully take care of her. Well, he didn't even put a finger on her, didn't even examine her, had his face buried in his computer, asking her questions. I'm certain that he billed for a full examination because that's why he was on his computer documenting so he could get paid. But we're missing something in healthcare today. And that's not because doctors are bad. It's because they are overburdened, they are overregulated, and this problem that we're seeing in healthcare today is because of the federal government. Bob Moffitt from the Heritage Foundation wrote a piece that came out um, this morning entitled, Obamacare is Experiencing Multi-Organ Failure. And what we're seeing is that because of the overregulation in the system, um, it's falling apart. And it's like a patient that has diseases in multiple organs and, uh, and is being held together on life support right now. And that's what we're seeing. So for the rest of the show today, I'm going to give a recap of our highly successful meeting in Dallas, the Docs for Patient Care sponsored um, direct primary care meeting, and uh, give everybody um, some hope. This is going to be a positive show for the rest of the show, and uh, I uh, hope you'll stay with us in the Doctors' Lounge on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And you're back in the Doctor's Lounge with your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. 
Um, today's show is a recap of the very successful direct primary care meeting held in Dallas this past weekend. Um, if I told you that this meeting was a home run, I would be underestimating this meeting. Let me give you some of the highlights of where this meeting was, and then I'm going to go through some specifics. So we had 265 attendees at this meeting from 41 states. To give you a perspective of what that means, the Academy of, Pe- of the American Academy of Family Practice recently put on a very similar meeting. They had half as many people, and they have access to the emails for tens of thousands of family practice doctors. The way that we publicized this meeting was exactly the way that we're doing it right now, over the radio, over social media, on our website. So it's just really remarkable that we were able to surpass what the the um, the uh, the the I guess the gold standard in family practices, which is the academy. Um, the meeting was really a young crowd, which gave me a lot of hope. There were people in this. The average age in this group was probably about uh, forty. And so we're really talking about people with a career ahead of them. And uh, and they were so excited about an opportunity to do something different than get into the hamster wheel of insurance-based third-party medicine. Very, very exciting. And the energy and the enthusiasm in the room was really infectious, and it was noticeable to everyone, including the vendors and sponsors that we had at the meeting. There was, and, and what was really refreshing was there was no hint of politics at all at this meeting. In fact, you couldn't even tell whether somebody was a Democrat or a Republican at this meeting. There was nothing that was discussed. It was purely health care, the, the possibility of freedom of health care, and what's, what's possible for patients and for doctors. Um, the the meeting resulted in the creation of online spontaneity. People were tweeting about it, creating new social media sites as we were having the meeting. Um, And uh, in fact, people were asking for a live feed on, on social media, which we provided for them for our keynote speaker, which I'll tell you about in, in a moment. But we even did a live transmission of the of the meeting. Uh, Dr. Karuchuk, my co-host, um, uh, in one of the uh, se- sessions during the meeting, um, did a live feed of Doctors uh, uh, Randall Oates from Soapware, uh, a, a healthcare IT company, cutting edge. Uh, that caters to this direct primary care community and Dr. Jeff English who talked about telemedicine and the exciting you know possibilities of of what we can do if we don't have the burdensome regulation of 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 how to deliver health care but instead could be creative about it um it was it was just really amazing how how we were able to um, have all of this um, 
in in one single meeting and and what I'm I'm really excited about is that we were able to record we filmed this entire meeting it will be available on our website and on our um uh YouTube site and also uh uh we'll we'll make this available uh through other other uh, uh venues so let let me um get um specific and let's talk about the meeting itself so we broke the meeting up into uh, uh, two days. On the first day, we talked about the big picture. What was the big picture for this particular modality of uh, healthcare delivery? And for those of you who might be newcomers to this show and not uh, have heard what we talk about quite often on this show, which is direct primary care, direct primary care is not concierge medicine in the sense that you're used to it. It's, it is concierge medicine, but it's affordable concierge medicine. It's concierge medicine for the little guy, for the person who is the barista at Starbucks, for the nanny in your house, for the uh, person who is fixing your car, or for the teacher or the nurse or whomever who uh, can't afford the expensive health care that's offered by their employer. This is, this is what direct primary care is. It's subscription medicine where a person pays a monthly fee and it encompasses 80% of the services that they're going to be using by their doctor you know, it, it, when they're engaged with uh, their doctor. It, it it includes well visits, it includes return visits, it includes basic laboratory work, basic imaging, whatever is not available in the doctor's office is available at an incredibly discounted cash price that the direct primary care doctor has already um, negotiated with vendors outside the practice. For the most part, the cost of the direct primary care uh, uh, plan with the doctor is less than the cost of a cell phone bill or cable bill every month. So, you know, if you are having um, a uh, a latte every day at Starbucks for almost four dollars, this pl- that that would be more than your direct primary care bill will be for the month, and to. And to, again, to try to put this in the right kind of framework, this is what you would have if you're taking care of your car. You're paying for your windshield bl- wiper blades. You're paying for your gas. You're paying for your oil changes and for your tires. You're, but if something really bad happens, then that's where you need really real insurance, catastrophic insurance. So that's that's where direct primary care is um, similar to what you have in other insurance models in life, your home, your car. You need health care insurance that will cover those catastrophic or expensive events. For 80% of the things that you're receiving care for, it's not expensive, so you shouldn't be paying through the nose for it. 
you know, the best example of this was given by one of the speakers in that morning session, uh, somebody who I work with on the Docs for Patient Care Foundation very closely, Lee Gross, who's been a uh, a guest on this show several times and is an early adopter of uh, of direct primary care in his practice in uh, outside of uh, Sarasota, Florida, uh, Epiphany Health. And what he said was that if you are an insurer or if you if you're getting your care at the hospital which is the most expensive place to get your care as we always say and you're paying your insurance premiums and you have a bill at the end of all of this for a stay in the hospital let's just say it's a really short stay it's a couple of days stay and it costs you $30,000 for several days stay at the hospital. The insurance company says to you, well, you know, this was a $30,000 bill, but your insurance covered $25,000 of it, so you're only responsible for $5,000 of that bill. Aren't you lucky that you had insurance and it only cost you $5,000? Well, the point is that the care that you received really didn't cost $30,000. In a, in a direct primary care model, as Dr. Gross has pointed out, that $30,000 of care may have only really cost, the true cost may have been $1,000 or less. That's the true cost. Everything else is the markup. And so what they're saying to you is that you're paying $5,000 for $1,000 worth of care. Aren't you lucky that you had that insurance, which incidentally you're paying maybe as much as fourteen dollars to $25,000 a year for if you're um, uh, the head of a, a family of four? So, so this is the big scam with insurance and with costs. And uh, the the four doctors who spoke to us in the morning panel to kick off the meeting, uh, doctors uh, uh, Ryan Newhoffel, Dr. Lee Gross, Dr. Josh Umber, who we will definitely have on this show, and Dr. Chad Savage, were, are all pr- direct primary care doctors. Um, two of them. Uh, practice in Kansas, one in Florida, one in um, in Michigan, and uh, and they discussed you know what the the uh, the appeal of direct primary care is, what the rap why we're seeing the rapid growth. We know why we're seeing the rapid growth. It's because people can't afford health care anymore, and so this is an alternative. And the a care that they're getting is inferior care, and these doctors are embracing a model where they are limiting the number of patients that they see per day. They are um, spending more time with their patients. My gosh, I wish I had a direct primary care doctor after being at this meeting. And I'll tell you, I will do everything that I possibly can to seek one out in my area because I, having been, um, having knowing about this model, but then Sitting through this conference and listening to the doctors, just it's the, the joy that they have in talking about what they do, 
I I am absolutely you know, a, a true believer now in what they're doing, and I and I think that this is really really important to embrace this and 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 go down this road, and um, and there's so much value. They, these doctors can add value added services to their practices that your doctor can't possibly do because of regulation, because of cost. These doctors can do it because there's nothing that's stopping them. They're outside of the insurance um, market. They're no longer confined by what the government is telling them to do or what the insurance companies are telling them to do or if you're a hospital-owned doctor by what your hospital is telling you to do. These are people who are doing what they feel that they need to do for their patients, what their patients want, what their patients demand, and what they feel... They owe their patients, and this is just really so exciting to watch these doctors um, uh, just just uh, bring the the uh, idea of what's possible to other doctors and to other patients. And um, when we get back in the next segment, we're going to talk about the second uh, leg of this meeting, which were some of the legal uh, issues surrounding direct primary care. When we get back in the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio, stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back in the Doctor's Lounge talking today about direct primary care, the conference that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation hosted in Dallas, Texas this past week. It was a grand slam. I mean, I, I am so uh, charged up about what we... Uh, we uh, saw at this meeting and uh, the opportunities that that exist for um, for healthcare. I think that this was a um, a, a real. Uh, I mean, it was it was it was an, an eye opener, and it was it was a spirit lifter. And one of the things that lifted my spirits at this meeting was uh, Dr. Beth Haynes, one of our board members. 
and many of the people who I name are going to be people who we've had on this show before. You may recognize some of these names. Um, but Dr. Beth Haynes is a board member of the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. She's also the executive director of the Benjamin Rush Institute, which brings free market solutions to medical schools and uh, organizes uh, medical students um, in, uh, in uh, medical schools around the country and uh, brings debate to their schools so that their medical students are hearing more than just the pablum that they're being fed by their professors in medical schools who are usually statists and believe in a central federally run healthcare system that's based on uh, social justice and redistribution and uh, uh, and the students never really hear the full story about health care, and, and the ben, Benjamin Rush Institute gives students the opportunity to uh, hear speakers uh, who uh, can give them the other side of the uh, debate. And uh, I'm happy to uh, tell everyone that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation sponsored nine medical students to come to this meeting, and uh, it, they were so charged up by what they heard. And this is what I think, you know, for people who worry about the future of healthcare, I think that these, when these ideas are presented to young doctors, and you talk to them about what they're given in their medical schools by people who are one-sided, and then you get the opportunity to present this side of this of the story to them. You know, it's it's uh, it's really just so enlightening and empowering to watch how they get it and how they say, "Well, gosh, why wouldn't somebody do something like this?" and to me, I think that that's really the future. That's the hope, and that's that's really what we we need to strive for to to um, get education um, uh, to educate people better than we're doing. Um, more discussion, more education is is better than less. And telling people that this is the way that they have to have it because they need to have. You know, we have to rein in costs. We have to limit the resources, and really, the resources are limitless. It's 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 the difference between when you have a pool of money taking care of people, and you have to make choices about wh- how you're going to take care of them and how much you're going to spend because you have that limited pool of money, versus when people have control over that pool of money themselves and can spend it the way that they want to spend it then there's, there are no constraints. The second part of the meeting that we had was dedicated to legal, and we had two of the um, country's experts on uh, direct primary care legal matters. One was uh, Dr. Phil Eskew, who is a doctor, a lawyer, an MBA. He is the leading expert in the country on direct primary care and the legal challenges facing direct primary care. And he gave a very important uh, uh, discussion because doctors who are embarking on direct primary care can do this the wrong way and they can get in trouble, especially if they have hybrid practices. And that means that if they take insurance for some of their patients and then they take care of patients directly and contract with them directly, they can be 
um, they can put themselves at some risk, especially if the insurance they take is government insurance like Medicare or Medicaid. And so um, Dr. Eskew was able to um, give people information that helped them to navigate some of this um, uh, red tape. And he also gave a session the following day, which were our breakout sessions. He was probably one of the if there were two people, I think, who were the rock stars of this meeting. One was um, Dr. Josh Umber, who always is a rock star wherever he goes, the the creator of uh, Atlas MD, um, and uh, the the uh, one of the uh, earliest, if not the earliest, adopter of direct primary care. Incredibly um, nice guy who is just easy to talk to and generous with his time, generous with his advice, and willing to help anybody who wants to get into this arena um, with uh, information, uh, sharing what he has done, the pitfalls that he has uh, encountered, and trying to keep them from making the same mistakes that he made, quite frankly. But Phil Eskew was the other rock star because he really will keep people out of jail. And so everybody seemed to be lining up to talk to him. And I'll tell you, I've been at many, 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 many medical meetings. I've been a speaker. I have been a, on, on a, a moderator. I've been an attendee at hundreds of medical meetings over my 30-year medical career. I have never seen people line up at the microphone after the talk was given for questions and answers as I did in this meeting. They were 10 deep for every single session that we had and we had to cut off the questions because there was just not enough time. And the enthusiasm was so palpable. It was so infectious. It was great. The second speaker in the legal session was uh, Jay Keese, and Jay was uh, uh, talking about the issues uh, uh, regarding state and federal legislative and policy issues. Now, Jay is the uh, uh, director of the uh, Direct Primary Care um, uh, Network, um, which uh, really... um, and and I'm and I'm, I apologize. I'm blocking on the exact name, and I, I promise I will have that for you. But um, uh, Jay uh, is uh, the uh, policy. Uh, uh, he's the executive director of of the the organization and works with states around the country, uh, with legislators, with um, with. Uh, um, the public policy foundations with with doctors with uh, tea party groups with any concerned individuals who are looking to help to protect direct primary care in states around the country and what do I mean by that well direct primary care is a delivery model so says the uh, the health and human services uh, um, uh, um, uh, department but uh, the IRS views it differently, and so there's some some uh, concern that direct primary care is going to be considered by some of the state regulators, especially insurance commissioners, as a risk-bearing entity and not a uh, a delivery model as it as it truly is. So, 
in order to get that protection, states need to pass legislation that um, clarifies it and that gives the state, the, the doctors who practice direct primary care in that state, the protection that they so um, uh, um, deservedly need. That will protect them from the overzealous state insurance commissioners who are trying to regulate them because they are in bed with the insurance companies and don't want to uh, uh, get on their bad side. So they want to suppress practices that are like this, direct primary care practices, from thriving. So legislation is necessary, unfortunately, to protect these practices. Seventeen states have enacted such legislation. There are other states that are considering it in this next upcoming uh, uh, congressional uh, state state um, uh, uh, legislative session. Georgia is one of those states. Georgia had uh, their direct care bill that was um, that was uh, brought up by State Senator Judson Hill. Uh, it, it died in committee, and that's because there are people in the. Uh, in the state legislature who either as their real job, because state legislators often have jobs after the legislative session is over. In fact, most of them do. And many of them work for the insurance industry. Others receive tremendous um, uh, campaign contributions from the insurance industry. So the insurance industry does not want to see direct primary care thrive. And, uh, and so in many states, um, this conflict um, will uh, keep bills from being brought to uh, the floor and die in committee. And uh, hopefully we'll see that change in Georgia this coming year. But uh, Jay gave information about how 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 states how people can become involved and try to advocate so that they can get uh, direct primary care legislation passed in their states. Our keynote speaker that day for lunch was David Goldhill, who was amazing, and he's been on this show uh, a guest of Dr. Karuchik's. He is the uh, CEO of the Game Show Network, and um, he wrote a book called Catastrophic Care. Why everything we think we know about healthcare is wrong, and he looked at healthcare in a um, you know a different way because he told the the sad tragic story of how his dad uh, got a hospital acquired infection and never left the hospital. He died in the hospital, and it got him to thinking about how we do things so wrong in medicine today and how a new paradigm shift needs to be adopted in healthcare. And I highly recommend his book, and we um, are really indebted to, uh, to David for coming and giving us his, uh, his thoughts. It was probably one of the uh, most riveting and the, uh, certainly one of the most well-received uh, talks that we had at our meeting. So I would encourage everyone listening to this show to go to Amazon, pick up his book, and read about it because it will change the way you think about healthcare. Our other keynote speaker at dinner that evening was another scholar, someone we had on the show, one, one of my guests, Robert Grayboys, who um, challenged people and actually angered people a little bit because he challenged them um, and wanted people to understand that healthcare is changing with or without them. And that if they don't start to think about how these changes 
are going to need to be incorporated into people's practices and people need to embrace them, then they're going to get left behind. And he showed various examples about how um, healthcare innovation is really changing people's lives, like 3D printers, making hands. But what what he really was trying to um, say to people, and I think that this was missed on a lot of our uh, attendees, is that uh, there's going to be a revolution in information about how people how the people's medical records actually are stored and he wanted people to understand isn't it great if you can carry around your health record and you didn't need to just go to your doctor and the people who were there at this meeting I think were offended by that because they felt that being somebody's doctor was very important but that's really not what he was saying he was saying that this change coming get on on board if you're not on the train then the train's going to run you over and we're going to uh, finish giving the recap of this DPC meeting when we conclude in the Doctors Lounge on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back in the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. We're concluding today's show, which is a recap and editorial comments about our meeting in Dallas, the direct primary care meeting hosted by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation this past week. Uh, a fantastic meeting. We've gone through much of the program already. Um, on the uh, first day, the um, the last panel that we uh, had was the direct primary care working with businesses and specialists panel, and I find I find that one very very interesting because direct primary care is the start, but it's not the conclusion. It's not the whole story. You can't fix the whole system simply with direct primary care. You need it. It's You can't get anywhere without it, 
but it's the start. It's the it's the starting point. And the speakers that we had were uh, really uh, they they helped to uh, um, close the circle on this issue. The the um, one speaker who um, I was so delighted to see there another rock star. I think probably the third most popular person at this meeting was Dr. Keith Smith, who is the uh, um, the owner and the uh, uh, managing uh, director of the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, and he's agreed to be our guest on the show in four weeks. So that's going to be a great show. But Keith, who I've known for a very long time, changed the way that um, we look at outpatient uh, care. And he has made his center, the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, the premier venue for medical tourism in the United States. Before this, people were traveling to India or Costa Rica or Cayman Islands for care that they found was going to be too expensive in the in the United States. You know, a, a shoulder surgery, a, a reconstruction with all in, you know, might cost about uh, um, eighty to ninety thousand dollars at your hospital in uh, in in your local community. Well, Keith has uh, figured out the solution to that problem, which is one price medicine, single pricing procedures, and the pricing that he has put that's on his website for the various operations. You can go to his website. It's right there. It is unbelievable. He can do that shoulder operation for under $9,000. They hate him in Oklahoma City. The hospitals are trying to figure out how to put him out of business, and he only gets more and more popular, busier and busier, people wanting to come from all over the country to get their care with him. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to go to Oklahoma City, why would you go to India when you can take Southwest Airlines for 200 bucks to Oklahoma City, stay in embassy suites for $149 a night, and get your $9,000 operation, stay for a couple of days to get your post-op care, and then go back home, get, getting your care by a board-certified surgeon, by the best surgeons in Oklahoma City. Keith has showed me a list. He decides on who gets to operate in his center. He's got people that he has to turn away. They're dying to come into his center because people are calling from all over the country so that they can participate in this this, um, care model and get their care taken care of. So let me give you an example. You've got your insurance plan, and your deductible is now $6,600 as an individual. but you need a hernia operation. Well, guess what? Your deductible is $6,600. You're going to pay $6,600 out of your pocket to get your hernia operation. And it'll probably, you know, wind up costing at the hospital in your area maybe as much as uh, $10,000 or $12,000 for that operation. Well, you can go to the Surgery Center of Oklahoma and get that same hernia operation for between three or four thousand dollars. So, I mean, think about it. Wouldn't you rather have that extra two thousand bucks in your pocket rather than meeting your deductible? I know I would. So, this is the kind of stuff that Keith was talking about, and I'm 
so looking forward to having him on the show for an hour. I know that our producer, David Moxley, is smiling because he's heard me talk about him so often and and I'm and I'll let him uh, uh participate in that discussion when uh Keith is on because he always is uh you know a rock star and willing to uh you know help uh p- educate people and and teach them about what's possible. Um another person at that uh who is on that uh, afternoon panel is uh, one of uh, my colleagues here in Atlanta, uh, Brian Hill. And Brian talked about the model that uh, we're putting on here in uh, Atlanta that we're creating and uh, trying to uh, establish proof of concept uh, called HIP Healthcare. And what that is all about is putting direct primary care together with a surgical network where we have sur- or a specialist network where we have the specialists working side by side with the uh, direct primary care doctors. So they're not an additional cost center, but they're a complementary. They're complementary to this whole model. So instead of having to go to your doctor. Have the doctor d- diagnose a problem and say you need to go to see a specialist and then have to take time off again from work, have to pay more money to see the specialist, um, and, and maybe multiple trips to the specialist. This program is based on having the direct primary care doctor work directly with the specialist so that they can pick up the telephone freely and be able to try to find a solution to your problem over the phone and save you a trip to the specialist and have the primary care doctor handle the problem in conjunction with the specialist, the curbside consult, as we like to call it. And if the doctor can't handle that um, himself or if the specialist feels that he needs to see the patient, then they see the patient, but not at the same charges that you're used to spending at a specialist's office, but at the rock-bottom cash price cut rate deal that has been negotiated with with uh, the direct primary care network. So this is a model that I believe is going to fly. It's going to be a, um, a solution for businesses because one of the things that one of our speakers uh, told me at this meeting, which really kind of shocked me. I thought that uh, Atlanta was ahead of the market in uh, um, self-insured plans by businesses. Uh, We're at about 60 to 65 percent of businesses that self-insure. I'm told that 60 percent of the businesses around the country self-insure. So what does that mean? It means that that a business has employees and they are paying for their employees' health plan and they're picking up the costs. And this is called an ERISA plan. It's, it's something that is uh, a, one of the uh, uh, plans that the government lets businesses set up. And so the way that businesses pay for this is they set aside a certain amount of their operating capital to pay for their employees' health benefits. The, all the all the care that comes out of their out of the uh, employees' uh, uh, health, and then when they hit a certain amount of money, that's called the stop loss. That means that at that point, they're contracting 
with another insurance company, a reinsurer, to pick up the 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 insurance at the point where they've hit that limit. So employers are encouraged to try to keep from getting to that stop loss point. Of course they're trying to reduce their costs. They don't want to get to the point where they have to hit reinsurance because if they hit reinsurance, then guess what? They're not only paying that amount of money for their employees' health, but their premiums for their reinsurance is going to go up. So if they never hit that reinsurance point, then their premiums for reinsurance stay low and maybe even go down. So when we have a plan to put direct primary care and specialty care and some other services together to go to employers and say to them, you know what, we can decrease your costs if you'll work with our plan. We can keep you from ever hitting your stop loss. We'll save you a boatload of money on the front end. We'll save you a boatload of money on the back end because we're going to go to your reinsurers and we're going to say this is what we're going to this is what the healthcare is going to cost. Now, now go ahead and underwrite us, rate us again based on what you won't have to be paying for because we're going to pick that up in direct primary care and and specialty care, and the employers eat this up. They can decrease their health costs between 20 and 40 percent this is the first time ever ever that people are going to employers and showing them a way that they can actually decrease their health care costs not not have a, a a lower increase you know they're saying that businesses health care costs are going to go up between nine and 15%. Well, if we can show them how we can actually decrease it, what do you think they're saying? They're gobbling this up. So this was, in a nutshell, what this meeting was all about, and it was really well embraced, and it was very exciting, and we're going to do this again. You know, This is uh, just the first time that we've done this, but but now that we know how to do it, you know, it's it's going to be replicated. And my thanks goes out to every doctor who came to that meeting as an attendee, every doctor who participated in that meeting as a faculty member. And if I didn't mention you, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's not that I, I uh, intentionally left you out. There was just so much to talk about. So, so um, our next show in two weeks with me well, our next show next week is going to be Dr. Michael Karuchik, who's going to uh, play the entirety of his uh, Doctor's Lounge radio show from the meeting. And then my show in two weeks, my guest is going to uh, be um, uh, Pat Kolbeck, state senator from Michigan, Tea Party uh, uh, devotee and uh, champion for health care, who has uh, really uh, been uh, at the forefront of uh, direct primary care in Michigan and making Michigan a right-to-work state and a right-to-practice state. So thank you for being with us today, and I look forward to having you back here in the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.